apologize in advance if I uh, cough here and there during the program, still have some of the uh, lingering um, symptoms of, uh, of having contracted COVID for a second time. I'm a uh, lucky winner winner. Um, I'm uh, not unique in this regard. I think when I came down with Omicron, um, the, uh, the numbers were such that uh, the majority of people worldwide actually uh, contracted uh, Omicron. Not that many were tested uh, about the time of Omicron. Most people realize there's no purpose to the test. Uh, you're not going to the hospital with it. Um, there is uh, no reason to pay the money and face the aggravation uh, of, of it. So uh, most people weren't tested. Now, lots of people are tested. So, you know, for example, I took a test uh, here, but we take home tests and we don't report the home tests to anybody. We just, <laughs> it's a way of, of knowing. But um, yeah. Um, right now, the uh, the, the numbers um, on COVID, just to put this in perspective, are are five to six times higher in terms of the infection rates than they were back uh, two years ago when all the news was was uh, COVID twenty four seven and the the COVID uh, counts, the death counts, uh, um, the uh, liberal governors trying to uh, out. Um, Oppressed the people, yes, so that uh, people were told they couldn't work, they couldn't socialize. We kept on saying this is going to backfire, that the negative consequence on on mental health, on uh, sexual abuse, on drug abuse, on suicide, uh, psychiatric problems, and also the devastation that will be wrought to the economy uh, will be unmitigated, so much worse than the virus ever could have been. And uh, we said all of that uh, as uh, the news was first being reported, and it turned out to be exactly that way. Now there's very mm-hmm. little news on uh, on COVID because, well, quite frankly, everything that the government did turned out to be counterproductive. So uh, uh, the onslaught of uh, of this disease wrought in the Chinese uh, 
viral institute in Hunan uh, continues to take its toll on the world. Um, I, um, as I said, I had another rough week uh, because of it. There really are no way to avoid it anymore. In fact, on just my little remodeling crew here, we had five individuals that uh, came down with it uh, all on the same day. Um, wow. So it is a, uh, it's a tragic thing. Speaking of uh, tragic, the, uh, the war in uh, Ukraine continues to, uh, to beat on. Uh, I continue to be sickened every time I hear the United States sends more weapons there. Uh, I sickened that the Ukrainians are screaming bloody murder. He's killing civilians, uh, war crimes. What do you, the hell do you think was going to happen when we purposefully taunted Russia and gave them no choice but to invade and then decided to turn the Ukraine into our proxy so we could go play war against Russia? Uh, what do you think was going to happen when we gave uh, the Ukraine hundreds of billions of dollars worth of sophisticated UF weapons so that they could sink Russian ships so that they could send rockets into uh, to Russian encampments uh, so that they would have anti-tank rounds for their cities. Do you think that at that point that the Russians are going to go in with a surgical strike and, uh, and try to uh, take large cities by sending men on foot and in vehicles? Or do you think they're just going to bombard them from afar to protect their own from the, uh, the retribution of America's weapons? It was so obvious as to what mm -hmm. was going to occur. And there's no backing down. You could sanction them to the cows come home. And they're not leaving. Putin even said this past week, we've only begun. Um, this is nonsense. And I just want to remind people, because there's just so little sanity here, that uh, back at the time of, uh, of Obama, uh, that administration sanctioned through the U.S. State Department and the CIA um, a revolution in Ukraine deliberately to overthrow the pro-Russian uh, government. And Ukraine is an, an interesting entity because the pipeline uh, from the Caspian Sea oil and gas reserves that uh, are so essential to the Russian economy, uh, sending natural gas to Europe, was built through the Ukraine at the time the Ukraine was a Soviet republic. Uh, and so it's, it is of vital interest to Russia. And when the Ukraine um, decided they didn't want to be part of Russia, uh, they still uh, maintained excellent relations until the United States meddled. And that meddling took place at a time where there was this great debate as to who was going to fund the bankrupt country. The Ukraine had a horrible track record of, uh, of being in desperate need of international monetary handouts uh, and then uh, not honoring their debt. And the United, uh, the International Monetary Fund had loaned them billions not to be repaid. The Soviets, uh, not the Soviets, but the Russians loaned them billions more. The Russians were more clever uh, because of the pipeline that went through the Ukraine. They had a means to getting repaid. But the United States decided, no, nope, we want Ukraine to be dependent upon the IMF. We want to pull it away from the Russian sphere of influence. And so 
we conducted the revolution that uh, relied heavily on the neo-Nazis and we armed it and, uh, and overthrew the popular elected government and then told ourselves how wonderful we were for supporting democracy. Uh, at that time, unbeknownst to me then, but, uh, and I reported heavily on, that, uh, uh, on yes. the revolution uh, at the time uh-huh. it occurred, and I said this is specifically being done uh, for international financing reasons and that uh, it is uh, being done to put Ukraine under the influence of NATO and uh, Europe, pulling it away from Russian influence, and that it will backfire. And that was back in 2013 during the radio shows that I did on that Mm -hmm. uh, subject, many, many hours of them. Uh, What I did not know at the time is that Lindsey Graham and uh, John McCain, probably the two highest-ranking Republican senators, immediately thereafter flew to Ukraine and told the Ukrainians that uh, we would um, be in this war with them, that their war would be our war, we would fight to, uh, to win, and we would give them all of the weapons necessary for them to prevail. War. Their war hmm. is our war. We'll arm them without uh, restriction so that we're sure of winning. That means that the revolution that we sponsored to usurp the democratically elected government and replace it with one of our choosing was specifically designed to engage in a war with Russia. And here we find ourselves less than a decade later at war with Russia. And the economy we had already devastated through our grotesque overreach on COVID was then further devastated with the sanctions imposed on Russia, not recognizing that they are a leading source of oil, natural gas, fertilizers, wheat, and many other things that the world depends on, sending inflation skyrocketing. It's now uh, at uh, 10% uh, and continuing to roar at a time that supply lines are devastated and where even mobility is difficult because uh, after COVID, there's far too few pilots even to fly aircraft. We're in a mess. And we're in a mess because we did this deliberately. Millions of people are going to die in the first phase of this war because we wanted war. And ultimately... When this war becomes too costly to fight in its second phase, its first phase was more strategic. We'll go into the cities with a show of force that did not work because of the weapons America supplied. The second phase is just uh, bombardment, artillery, rockets, which are more indiscriminate killers. Third phase, and they're just destroying Ukraine. The third phase Mm -hmm. uh, will be nuclear. And we brought to this on ourselves. Incredibly sad. Uh, I don't know if you uh, uh, read the, uh, the news on, uh, on this, but uh, uh, in uh, Poland, it was um, uh, just revealed that there are bodies, I think it's in the range of, uh, of um, eight, 10,000 people 
that uh, uh, victims were of a, uh, of a genocide in one of the concentration camps where the Germans wanted to hide their atrocities. So they, they took the ashes of, uh, of whether it was 10,000 or 20,000 people, and then they reburied them in an unmarked uh, uh, trough, um, only to have it um, uh, discovered here quite recently. Um, uh, extraordinarily uh, sad. And what's amazing here, yes. speaking of Ukraine, this, uh, this uh-huh. particular headline reads, Warsaw, Poland. Poland's leaders marked the anniversary of World War II era's Ukrainian massacre of Poles uh, Monday. Ukrainian massacre of Poles. Mm-hmm. By stressing that only the full truth will, uh, will bring an end to this kind of violence. He said during the observance uh, of the memory of the victims of genocide that this is the best time to condemn the murder of Polish citizens. So not only do we have the realization that Ukrainians who loved the Nazis uh, were worse in terms of their genocidal attacks on Jews than any people anywhere in the world. And that includes Muslims, it includes Orthodox Christians, it includes Nazis. Uh, Per capita, there was no place where Jews fared worse than they did in the Ukraine, but that the Ukrainians went out of the Ukraine and uh, and savaged Polish citizens as well. These are not people that we should be helping. The uh, other thing that is really interesting that came up in the news uh, again is uh, the dramatic rise in conspiracy theories across uh, America. Now, there is a huge percentage of Americans don't even believe that COVID uh, exists as a virus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, break. Tell my, tell my lungs that, please. Yeah, yes, no, no. please. Uh, no. There are others that uh, believe that uh, uh, January 6th was an insurrection. I don't care what pictures you look at of January 6th. If you look at any group shot, what you have is uh, a picture of lots of of middle-aged people taking selfies. Uh, Most were equipped with nothing more than a cell phone. Yeah, so uh, 3% were belligerent. But put the ones that were belligerent... Uh, in jail. But the overwhelming preponderance of those people were there on a misguided uh, political rally, which was caused by a conspiracy, and that would be the conspiracies of, uh, of the former president, Trump. It is also interesting that Trump got into a, uh, a, a pissing contest here with um, Elon Musk. Elon. He, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he called Elon Musk, you know, uh, a fraud, a guy that uh, is nothing but uh, a blowhard that doesn't really accomplish anything. <laughs> now, I'm here to tell you that if you were to uh, to list the most accomplished businessmen, the most accomplished men in American history, Elon Musk would be very high on that list. Uh, I. I'm not certain that you would find 
a rival for Elon Musk. Uh, here's a guy that in the midst of the, the world's craving for electric cars creates the largest electric car company in the world, by far larger than any other. At the same time, just in his spare time, as a hobby, he creates what is a, uh, a vastly superior uh, space exploration capability with rockets and capsules and satellites. And then, just for giggles, he comes up with a way of, uh, of linking the world together via Internet, no matter where you are, with tens of thousands of low-orbiting satellites. And then, just for fun, he creates the world's largest battery manufacturing company because batteries are essential to uh, solar energy. Uh, no matter what you think about the guy, I mean, just in his pastime, he decided that uh, he would go and uh, buy Twitter with the, uh, the hope of keeping it free in the midst of where the, uh, the social media tycoons are all trying to impose uh, their thought police. Uh, it is uh, stunning what uh, Elon Musk has uh, done. And then for uh, Trump to, to take him and, and to pin the, uh, this idea as he's a blowhard hasn't accomplished anything. Well, Elon Musk came back and said, well, you know, perhaps uh, it's time to put the Trumpster to bed. <laughs> I was looking at another article here recently. We're looking at uh, talking about the Ukraine. You know, the Ukraine belly or belly ached uh, some months ago that the Russians should be uh, brought up for war crimes because they uh, deliberately shelled a uh, a nursing home. Well, the UN is now reporting that the reason they shelled the nursing home is that it was a uh, it was a barracks Ukrainian troops. And perhaps they bear the blame for the the attack. Truth is the first casualty of, uh, of casualty war. Of war. Yes. It is yes. uh, there is no question that that is our reality. Yep. So um, Trump and uh, and uh, Elon Musk are um, are at it. Uh, he says, "I don't hate the man, but it's time for Trump to hang up his hat." And sail into the uh, the sunset. Oh, that'll uh, um, certainly uh, upset a whole lot of people. Uh, you know, I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, that uh, one of his pet projects. I think Elon Musk even invented PayPal, if I'm not mistaken. The guy has uh, has certainly been extraordinary. Uh, one of the things that is just a, a funky thing to me. You probably follow golf, uh, Kirk, and you know that uh, oh, there's yeah. a new uh, golf mm -hmm. league called uh, Live, uh, Live Golf. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Greg Norman, who I know, uh, is the founder of Live Golf, and he is using um, uh, the Saudi uh, funds Money. to uh, mm -hmm. to have very large uh, payouts for the uh, the players that play Live Golf. And the PGA Tour is having a conniption fit because, well, it it, uh, it, it. it's uh, competition. And uh, the PGA Tour doesn't want to have to compete, so the PGA Tour is doing everything they can, forming new uh, relationships with the European Tour, uh, and uh, and now trying to bribe players within its own tour to stay with it, and and threats and all this sort of thing. And I've I've always been an open freedom sort of a guy. You should 
you know, mm-hmm. independent contractors should be able to play wherever they want to play or work wherever they want to work. And so I'm always in favor of that. And of course, the big uh, thing about this, this tour is, you know, it's blood money. They killed Khashoggi. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, with them killing Khashoggi, uh, it's blood money. We, uh, they ought not uh, be paid with that money. And my view is, is, I don't think there's anybody that's more anti-Islam than I am or, uh, mm-hmm. or anti-Saudi uh, Arabia than I am. I'm here to tell you that uh, Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia to fist pump uh, Mohammed <laughs> and cut deals with him in back rooms is please yeah big begging for oil please yeah. the United States sending please. Saudi Arabia hundreds of billions of dollars for our most uh, advanced weapons is infinitely worse and I'm here to tell you that when you go uh, into the gas station and you fill up your SUV with gasoline you sending money. Uh, indirectly to the Sauds for supplying that gas is much worse than spending their money. If if the Sauds want to spend the money uh, beautifying downtown uh, uh, Frederickstead, uh, where uh, where I live, go for let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah. If Frederickstead says, you know what I want to do is I want to send a uh, a, a bunch of tanks and uh, fighter planes. To uh, Saudi Arabia, it's yeah, it's pretty pretty much a bad idea. But I, I just don't get it why uh, there's such a conniption fit over people's inability to uh, to compete and how they can't view anything in uh, in context. Well, we you finished a chapter uh, last week in my absence. Thank you and D for doing so. I understand yeah. that uh, no, you all thanks. were were. Uh, um, I, Promoting, um, oh, let's see, where did uh, Miss uh, D say that we uh, we were last week? Uh, with uh, some pretty decent, oh, Egypt. And I think we're back in Egypt uh, again uh, this week. The reasonable Jewish community still in uh, in Egypt that have have never left over the uh, the long period of uh, of time. So we are yeah. we are returning uh, to uh, what now is Chapter Twelve of Volume Seven um, of Yada Yada. It's called Shana. It goes through the years and it demarks uh, time by talking about prophecies, uh, many of which have been misconstrued and misapplied, uh, and many of which um, are very telling in terms of the timeline that Yah has established for us. Uh, This particular chapter was named Ain Ish. It uh, translates as no one. I am currently, and I shared this with you before we began the program, currently yes, translating sure. uh, Hosha. It's the uh, eighth volume of, uh, of Yada Yawa, uh, and uh, about uh, halfway through the, uh, the volume at this point. And the thing that I've come to realize is you can't read any prophet where there isn't some direct or indirect mission, mention of what we're doing. So as we go through uh, this first prophecy that is misappropriated by uh, Twistians, uh, where they think that it speaks of their uh, Jesus, uh, I'm here to tell you that there are um, a number of themes that are prevalent throughout the Torah and prophets and Psalms. Uh, and one of those is that, that Jews became so religious that God uh, disassociated from them. He disinherited mm-hmm. them. He divorced himself from Israel. And he did so strictly because uh, he could not tolerate their religiosity. 
Judaism is the problem between Yahweh and Yehuda. That is the number one most reoccurring prophecy throughout the uh, uh, Yahweh's witness. There is none even that even comes close to it. Uh, but there is another re- reoccurring theme, which is that because Jews became religious, they stopped listening to him. They actually became hostile towards him to the point that there was a, no one for him to communicate yeah. with. Yeah. And that the last Israelite prophet was Hosea, you know, around 750-ish BCE. Uh, and the last Yehudim, a Yehud prophet was Malachi, around 450 BCE. It hadn't been one since. No. That's a long time to look and find no one. And so God continues to remind his people that he made a promise that he's going to honor. He is going to return, and he's going to reconcile his relationship with Yisrael and Yehudim. And when he does so, uh, he is uh, going to um, uh, do this in spite of this long intermission, but that the method that he is going to use is going to be very startling to them, which is that he is going to deploy a goy. And he's going to deploy a goy not because that's his preference, but because there's no alternative. And the only way to get Israelites and Yehudim to listen in the end was to work through a Gentile. Uh, That's not what Jews want to hear. Uh, They don't want to hear that the worst among them are the rabbis. They don't want to hear that Judaism is the greatest obstacle between them and God. But nonetheless, this is what God says, and he doesn't say it quietly. He doesn't say it infrequently. It is the most reoccurring and most blunt theme throughout the Torah and prophets. Amazingly so, yes. So beyond the prophecies that we've already considered in this volume, uh, there are two additional prophecies in Yahshua, that's Isaiah, that are commonly misappropriated by Christians. And it's important for Yah's people, Jews, to understand what Christians have done, prophecies that he provided regarding them as the audience. Uh, Because it's only when you know the essence of replacement theology and how everything that was said for the benefit of Yehudim being taken and, uh, and misappropriated for the benefit of giving credibility to a religion that otherwise has none, has done some things to Jews that is essential for them to know. And one of them is, for example, when Christians uh, misappropriated Yosha, renamed him Jesus, and then claimed that he died for their sins, that he was the Son of God and the Messiah, and named their religion after the notion that he was Christ the Messiah, uh, 
they caused Jews to rebel viciously against him. And in doing so, they were right in recognizing that his name wasn't Jesus. They were right in recognizing he wasn't the Messiah. They were right in recognizing that he was not the Son of God. But by vehemently opposing him on those grounds, they failed to recognize that he was the Passover lamb. Passover lamb, yeah. And if you forego the fulfillment of Pesach, there is no hope of eternal life. And if you don't recognize that Yahweh fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, Bukurim, and Shabuah in your 4,000 Yah, there is no way to be part of the covenant. And if you don't recognize that, that the first three days fall under the umbrella of Chag Matzah, and the central part of that is the removal of yeast, which is the fungus of religion, from our souls, so that once immortalized, we can be perfected and enter Yahweh's home as part of his family on Bukurim, so that he can empower and enrich our lives on Shabuah, then you're left with nothing but a deadly religion. And that's what the rabbis have done. The rabbis literally created rabbinic Judaism out of their desire to deny the claims of Christianity. And of course, Christianity was created out of the misappropriation of the role Yosha played as the Passover lamb, turning the Passover lamb into God. So understanding how these things have been misappropriated and being able to counteract them and therefore not robbing yourself of the essential truth that is there is essential to the recovery and reconciliation of Yehudim, Jews, with Yahweh. I think that our understanding of the mistakes of replacement theology, even mm -hmm. though our audience is Jews, not Gentiles, principally, uh, is vital. And we need to delegitimize the religion that has historically been the most anti-Semitic, uh, in part to reestablish Dode standing with Yahweh and to appreciate Dode's role in his prophetic plans. If you do not understand Dode's role, then you can't understand God's timeline. Um, and the reason I say this is with Christianity's craving for legitimacy, since there is not a single prophecy that mentions Jesus. There isn't a single prophecy that uh, that mentions the arrival of a Messiah. Well, not one, not one in uh, 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. There is uh, none that even speak of Yosha, his correct name. Yes. So for him to be the be-all, end-all, and to be the founder of a religion, as Christians have been led to believe, the Son of God and the Messiah and these sorts of things, yeah, King of Kings, with, with tens of thousands of prophecies of what God's going to do, why isn't there one prophecy that speaks of him? There isn't. 
So what they've done is they've taken prophecies that speak of others, particularly Dode, and they say, oh, yeah, well, God, uh, you know, we don't know what his name is, so chances are he doesn't know what anybody else's name is. And therefore, when he speaks of, uh, of Dode, who we call David, he's really speaking of Jesus, who doesn't exist at all. But that's our story we're sticking with. All right, so one of the prophecies that they, uh, they take is, uh, is uh, Yashaya 11. Yeshua 11 uh, does not speak of, uh, of Yosha or Jesus. It begins with a title that is appropriate to apply to a vastly less important implement than the Passover lamb. The term is choder, a sprout, a sucker. And a sucker happens to be the perfect term. Um, <laughs> Partly because it's funny because we we uh, use sucker as a story yeah. to say yeah, yeah he's a real sucker, um, but sucker for punishment, all that sort of thing. But and, you know, Yahweh loves horticultural terms. Choder is a horticultural term. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a type of uh, of a shoot that, in essence, comes up from the rootstock of a fallen tree. So with the olive tree being symbolic of the life of Yisrael, the olive tree being symbolic of the, uh, of the witness uh, of, the, of the end times um, witnesses, uh, Elia being one of them. Uh, it speaks specifically in Zechariah of, uh, of two olive trees. Uh, the olive tree, of course, is the source of olive oil, which is symbolic of the spirit and of mm-hmm. Yahweh's enlightenment is the longest lived tree in, uh, in Israel. It is deeply uh, rooted. Um, and, and oil is used for anointing. The olive is, uh, is exceedingly important, but the olive tree that was vital and productive in Israel has long since fallen. But God has not given up on that tree so for it to be fruitful again, he is arranged for a sucker. That is a shoot that comes up from the original rootstock. Now, I can tell you that, that Yosha, uh, being uh, infused with Yahweh's consciousness, his nephesh, to serve mm-hmm. as the Pesach Eel, the Passover lamb, was not a sucker. That's just way beneath his role. Yes, now, he's not equal to Dode. Dode is the top guy. He's not equal to Moshe. But third to Moshe and Dode, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty tall company, that's where Yosha fits Pits. in the hierarchy of things. And you're not going to call Moshe or Dode a sucker. But that's the term. Mm-hmm. Then a choder, a shoot or sucker from a fallen stump, a stem or secondary branch, a slender twig or stick, a pliable wooden instrument, a secondary source of growth serving as a living entity delivering prodigy, as an observant individual who is willing to listen and who is committed to thinking while collecting the things Yahweh values as an unrestrained extension. 
will be extended for a limited time. Yatsa. Yatsa is an essential term. So we have choder, sucker. The first verb is yatsa, will be extended. What is the purpose of this extension? It's to withdraw Yahweh's people from Babylon, Mm -hmm. religious and political and geographic Babylon. Political the United States, religious Christianity, particularly Roman Catholicism, and geographic throughout the Middle East where they have been scattered. Yatsa is the operative term of the Exodus. We are headed for a second Exodus. The first was from Mitzrayim, the crucibles of religious and political oppression. The second has come out of her, my people, Babylon. And so it is the Choder's principal role to call Yahweh's people home and out of Babylon. That is why it is extended as a yatsa. He will be brought forth to serve. Call perfect, active, sequential, third person, masculine, singular. There's one. Choder. He is a male. He is in the sequence of events and he is literally going to appear going to do these things, come from this source, but for a limited period of time. Seems like a long time to me, though. Yeah. By means of, I'm just kidding, actually, it seems like yesterday that we began this. By, that was 21 years ago. By means of, out of, the stock, the Giza. Just in case you didn't figure out what Choder means, God lays it right out there. The choder is going to grow out of the stock, the giza, the stump, the root from which new growth emerges, the trunk, which has been cut down and is yet capable of supporting new shoots of Yishay. Cool. Now, Yishay is, is uh, uh, Dode's uh, dad. Dode's daddy, yeah. 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 He, he has a very, very small speaking role. Most everything he said is uh, counterproductive, um, belligerent, stupid, adds nothing to the conversation. Doe doesn't say, boy, what a great dad I have. Oh, my dad, he taught me all these wonderful things. Yishe is there to symbolize all the problems with human parents and why we're a lot better off with Yahweh as our Heavenly Father. Because all the Psalms and the Proverbs where Dode speaks of his father, he's speaking of Yahweh. Yishay is there because of his name. Yishay is here because of his name. Yishay means to stand out and be noticed. That's the problem of the world today. No one is willing to stand up, stand out, or be noticed. Why? Because you get ripped up, teared down, and crucified when you do those things. You better really make sure that you are prepared, that you know the material, that you understand it better than anybody in your audience, that you can speak of it with conviction, and that you're on God's side. Otherwise, to be a Yitzhak is a very poor decision in today's world. 
The second reason for the mention of Yitze is that all of this, the, the work of this Choder, his effort to call people out of, for a second exodus through the use of Yitze, his coming up from the original rootstock, representing the original rootstock of the olive of Yisrael, which ties them also into that second witness position, mm-hmm. is that the essential element of that is something we didn't understand until we were 10 years into this mission, which is that if you're going to be effective witnessing to the chosen people on behalf of Yahweh, you have to know the most important person in the world. You need to know why Yahweh anointed Dode as the Messiah. You need to know why Yahweh chose him to be shepherd of his people. You need to know why he inspired him with more prophetic insights than anyone else in writing the Mizmor and Mashal. You need to understand why he was the exemplar of how to fight to defend God's people. You need to understand why he was the prime example of what it means to be in the covenant. You have to have an appreciation of how a man who did many things wrong was perfect in God's eyes and was always right. You need to understand that God's coming back with doubt. He doesn't do anything alone. And the one man he chose to be king of kings, to be the returning Messiah, to be the defender of his people, to be the ultimate shepherd from now throughout time, is Dode. There is a second coming. It's Dode. There is a Messiah, and he is returning. It's Dode. And God makes this perfectly clear. And it is essential to understanding God's timeline, God's purpose, and his continued emphasis on his people. He's not coming back as Jesus. He's sure as hell not coming back to exonerate a Christian church. In fact, the Gentiles will be annihilated upon his return. So, then a choder, a shoot or sucker from the fallen stump, will be extended for a limited period of time to withdraw by means of the rootstock, the Giza, of Yishe, to stand out and be noticed, to draw attention to the substance of existence. From Yish, to exist and become substantial, to stand up and be noticed. As a netzer, as an observant branch, secondary stem or shoot, which extends from a primary limb. That primary limb is doubt. Mm-hmm. That is from Natsar to observe, to watch over, to preserve, to closely look after, to focus upon and protect by means of his roots and that which keeps him anchored, steadfast and nourished. Oh, the choder is rooted in the word of Yahweh. He lives to translate and to share insights derived from the word of Yahweh. He does not vary. He is not pulled 
off course because he is anchored and nourished by the word. That is his base. That is his foundation. That is what keeps him firmly established such that he will continually bear an abundance of fruit, being productive while encouraging productivity in others. Parah. I cannot tell you how many uh, Yehudim will be part of the remnant that Yahweh will ultimately reconcile. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that based upon what Yahweh has said, the overwhelming preponderance of those who are there will be there because they've noticed what we have done. They will have read Yada Yahweh. They will be aware of Yahweh's name, his purpose, his timing, and specifically what he is offering and expects in return. Throughout the prophets, there is a constant reference to Yada Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Titled this series of books. We're here to reach you. We're here because God intends to have a harvest and he wants it to be fruitful. And it is only by sowing the seeds that he has provided and cultivating them that we will encourage others to join us and be part of that harvest. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just Yashaya 11.1. As we move into 11.2, we're told how this is going to happen. Because, well, quite frankly, there's not a lot of good examples about choders out there. You know, most suckers <laughs> <No>. get trampled down. <laughs> you know, we never hear from Nietzsche again. Uh, so this fellow clearly isn't, uh, isn't a Israelite, as we learn no. from other uh, sources. And so he's going to need a lot of help. So just in case you didn't get the message that what he is doing to liberate God's people is rooted in the original rootstock that was Yisrael and is anchored into the word of God. You know. he's, going to help you, he's going to help you out here. And he's going to let you know how this otherwise completely unqualified implement was able to play such a role in the calling home of God's people. This is because the spirit, the Ruach of Yahweh will settle and remain on him. Now, the Ruach of Yahweh settled and remained on Dode. The first thing we're told about Dode after he was uh, anointed on uh, Yahweh's instructions by Shamuel. Mm-hmm. This cannot happen right now to a Jew. Well, it couldn't happen to any away. Jew prior, prior to uh, uh, Jews beginning to read Yada Yahweh because there wasn't any Jew that would even mention Yahweh's name. If you don't know Yahweh, if you're not reaching out to him by name, if you do not acknowledge his name, you are not going to be anointed in his spirit. That eliminates all Christians, all Muslims, all the Haredim, Orthodox Jews, also progressive and secular Jews. The essential element here is that there are lots of spirits out there 
but we're talking about the Ruach of Yahweh. And for that to occur, you must know and accept Yahweh by name. This is because the spirit of Yahweh will settle upon him. Nuach Al. She was placed upon him. She energizes him and restores him. She is in alliance with him, dwelling and residing within him, never departing his abode, while she enriches the association and assures the most favorable outcome for him, enabling him to be composed and to prevail no matter the challenge. It takes a lot to turn a goy into a useful implement. The spirit of providing the capacity to comprehend and teach. And that's the essence of it all. There's only one way to God. Knowledge leading to understanding. Mm -hmm. You can't find God any other way. Can't find him through faith. Can't find him through religion. Can't find him for stumbling around, groping in the dark. There's only one way. You find Yahweh by reading his words, processing them intelligently, so that you come to understand who he is, what he's offering, and what he expects in return. That's it. And the only way for that to occur is for somebody to learn and then teach. For someone to listen and then tell. And so the spirit is providing the capacity to comprehend and teach. Chakma. Offering the mental aptitude and wisdom to instruct comprehension and technical expertise to do what is required to impart understanding and to educate and enabling understanding by making connections to reveal insights Bana. it is the uh, one two of uh, of comprehension mm-hmm. the first thing is you have to have a disciplined approach to acquiring and filtering knowledge, information. When you learn how to be discriminating and discerning, uh, pursuing knowledge, and then you can make the connections between the various things that you've discovered and learned, that leads to understanding. And understanding is infinitely superior to knowing And knowing is infinitely superior to believing. This is the path to God. This is what the Spirit uh, enables the person who is willing to learn from the Torah teaching of God. And enabling understanding by making connections to reveal insights. Facilitating the propensity to ponder and process information by being perceptive and discerning, discriminating and judgmental, making intelligent associations, which leads to conceptual comprehension. There are a number of uniquenesses to yada yada, beyond just the title, to know, to acknowledge, to be familiar with, to understand. One of those, of course, is the Amplified Translations. We're going through an Amplified Translation now. Uh, Rather than convey something with five words, we'll convey it with 50. 
takes a lot more effort. But by conveying everything that God intended by the words that he selected, we go from, from being unaware to knowing and from knowing to understanding. It is the journey to God through words that leads us home. The second is that when we go through this process and we have the benefit of spiritual inspiration, we are afforded insights that are often profound, many unheralded. I was telling you, Kirk, uh, just uh, today mm-hmm. that um, I'm, uh, I'm translating a passage of Hosha and a draw drops to the table. It, it says that uh, just as uh, Adam, a bar, which in a bar has lots of connotations. In this case, they have to be all negative, uh, grew resentful, started meddling in the relationship. That as Adam started meddling in the relationship, grew resentful towards the covenant, Bereth. Just as he did that, so uh, has Israel. And that they have therefore been unfaithful and betrayed Yahweh. That's in Hosha. And you're reading that. Yeah. Whoa! That means that the covenant was specified to Adam. Even though we're not told about it, it means that God quantified the terms, conditions, and benefits of his covenant, and it only has one, same one he delineated with Abraham in his conversations with Adam, and that Adam somehow grew disgruntled, resentful, wanted to change the agreement. It's a whole different perspective to look at yeah, to, to understand what happened in, in the Ghani den. And, and then God is comparing that to what Judaism has done to his people and how Judaism has caused them to betray Yahweh treacherously. This is really a profound insight that you're not going to get any other way than to read and study Yah's words through the inspiration of the Spirit and to see how much more we can learn. Continuing, it's the spirit of advice and counsel. This is the spirit that was so powerful. In fact, one of the meanings of Malak is to advise and to counsel. The spirit of advice and counsel, it's etza, of pertinent directions regarding how to properly respond, providing prudent consultation on the purpose of the proposal, delivering effective mentoring on how to deliberate relevant decisions. That's why we're here. We're laying out for you the instructions that Yahweh provided in such a way that once you come to know what he is offering and understand what he is expecting in return, you're in a position to engage in the covenant, to become immortal, perfected, adopted into God's eternal family, to be enriched and empowered by him, to become what Yehudim means, beloved of Yah. The spirit of advice and counsel, of being emboldened 
and inspiring. Boy, that is the, the thing that you find out about God in a hurry. If you're a part of God's team, if you're somebody that Yahweh chooses to work through, and he's always working through somebody, mm-hmm. God never works alone, ever, under any circumstances. The purpose of creating the universe and authoring life was so that he could enjoy camaraderie, so that he could enjoy the thrill of, and the productivity of working together and son, father and daughter. And the people that he chooses to work through are bold. Imagine going to, uh, to Noach and say, hey, we're going to build a ship. I mean, this ship is going to be like a super tanker. You don't know what a super tanker is, but that's how big it's going to be. Yeah. Right out here in the middle of this mountainous region... <laughs> where the biggest thing you've got is a little stream, we're going to build a ship. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Let's get some. Sure. I mean, goodness gracious, look at at Moshe. Talk about being bold. You're being hunted down as uh, as, uh, a, a murderer. Uh, in uh, in the most powerful country on earth, and God says, I want you to walk back in there carrying nothing but a shepherd's staff and go and confront Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. (laughs) You want me to do what? (laughs) (laughs) The last time I, I went out and tried to help those people, they nearly had my head for it. And you want me to go back for them? With a staff? You do know that I'm 80 years old, don't you? <laughs> Bold. Listen to anything he says in Debarim. He's articulate. He's bold. There's no one bolder in all of human history than Dod. He would suffer no, no enemy of his people. Whatever it took. Read his Psalms. He is bold. God likes Bold people. He's he's not for the timid. Being emboldened. And the most inspired voice in human history is uh, his son, Dode. Second, probably, is Moshe. Third, probably, Yasha Yeah. He wants to inspire. He wants to work with people who are strong. And if they're not strong, he's going to make them strong and to give them that inward strength to be strong. And so he provides the spirit of emboldening them and inspiring them. The spirit of knowing and knowledge, Diath, of recognizing where to look for answers and acquiring the information, being aware of the evidence, being able to discern what is relevant, relevant accurate, um, fact or fiction. Uh, Diath is based on yada, to learn, to know, to recognize, to acknowledge. And what is this spirit of knowing and knowledge directed at? So as to respect and revere, to appreciate Yahweh. And that's why we're here. We appreciate Yahweh. We recognize Yahweh by name, by reputation, by testimony, 
by purpose, by offering, by title. We recognize Yahweh. We appreciate Yahweh. Additionally, as if more was needed, by accepting the offer and responding appropriately, <laughs> yeah, he will be perceptive. Uh, uh, but I can tell you, I, I wasn't as bad as uh, Moshe in accepting this offer. Uh, but, you know, the circumstances were really quite uh, different. Um, he wanted, you know, Moshe to go in with a staff uh, and, uh, and go tackle uh, the most powerful kingdom on earth. He wanted me to, uh, to be equipped with a pen and to go in and expose and condemn the most vicious religion in human history. The, 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 the calling there are parallels. Calling was different, but there were some parallels. Uh, and uh, um, I didn't have the, the burning crag, uh, uh, the burning uh, top of the mountain, but just had the uh, voice, and, and uh, I tried. The same thing. Uh, yeah. You got the wrong guy. Uh, no, come on. <clears throat> Not that mission. Nobody survives that mission. Who are you really? Well, the fact is that uh, um, I agree. I decided, uh, you know, uh, he uh, he's proven to me that he is who he said he is. And uh, he's agreed that he'll meet the criterion that I thought was necessary to prevail. Uh, this could be a very meaningful use of my life. And I decided to, to do it 21 years later, oh, six, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. Uh, come uh, COVID or shine, well, here we are. By accepting the offer and responding appropriately, he will be perceptive. His acceptance and perceptiveness, his nose for the truth, his willingness to respond and supply answers, to go where the words lead, will distinguish him. With regard to developing a profound admiration and respect for, first and foremost in doing that, you've got to know his name. You've got to know how to pronounce his name. You have to know what his name means, why his name is important. And for that alone, God could not have used any religious Jew. Religious Jews, in fact, Jews as a, as a whole, have not said God's name for the past 2,005 or 600 years. If you don't know his name, you can't represent him. <clears throat> One of the things you find when you're translating the prophets is that Yahweh's mm-hmm. name is everywhere. All over the place, yeah. And if you're reading something that wasn't inspired by Yahweh, Yahweh's name is nowhere. Pretty easy to figure out who is speaking for Yahweh and who is not. <clears throat> now, it's interesting, this the term, admiration and respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I admire Yahweh. I respect him as, as creator, as God, as father, as the one who inspired the Torah and prophets as the one who liberated his people. But I most certainly do not worship him as a god. I don't worship him at all. I don't pray to him. Never bow down to him. 
I uh, relate to Yahweh as uh, he's my father. He's my boss. But it's a family business. So he may be my boss, but, uh, you know, it's still um, it's a family business. Yeah. And uh, and I'm in this business with a lot of other family members. And it's very uh, um, collegial. Our relationship is friendly. He's not judgmental, not demanding. He's certainly not authoritative. Authoritative. He's work on your own pace. I'll be there when you're there. Um, we're 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 in this together, and I'm here to support the effort and. He constantly comes across as pleased, um, and when you consider the relative difference in our intellect, uh, it's pretty, pretty hard to imagine. Pretty great to do. But yeah, none, yeah. nonetheless, that, that is the yeah. relationship we have. So when it talks about respect, I respect him in, in ways that are very different than most people would, would view that word, because... I don't put God on a pedestal. I, I sense God working in me, through me, even for me. Now, uh, God says a number of places that he's here to help us. Works out really well that way. He's here to mm-hmm. lift us up. He's here to empower us. I can't empower him. I can't lift him up. I can't. But I can help because there's things that he wants done. And the best way to get them done is to have respect for Yahweh. Therefore, it will not be by an appearance or a vision seen with his eyes that he will decide. There will be no burning top of the mountain. The Krog, uh, the uh, the term is not bush, but it's the top yeah, of the look mountain. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was not going to be a sign. I, I didn't see a transfiguration wasn't a vision which means it's not a prophetic revelation so this pretty much eliminates the uh, the idea that uh, this could be Yosha um, uh, because well with Yahweh's Nefesh uh, he would have seen it all and only thing that I've seen is God through the words that he inspired. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's more than enough, I will tell you. You can visualize God. You can see Yahweh in all of his glory through the words that he inspired. And that's what I have envisioned, not that of a prophetic revelation. And there's such a huge difference all of Yahweh's prophets were either Israelites or Yehudim, mostly Yehudim. And Yahweh does not need another prophet. He has said more than, than we can possibly process. What he needs is a witness, someone who will correctly convey his testimony to his people and help them understand it. Therefore, it will not be an appearance by an appearance or a vision. Lo, la, mara. It will not be through a visual form. 
that can be seen or any spiritual revelation, miraculous vision or supernatural phenomenon. This was important because so many of the the morons that have gone before that claim to have seen visions, so many of the rabbis that have mm-hmm. claimed to see visions, the, these uh, false messiahs that have claimed to see uh, visions, uh, they're all frauds. It, if you are dependent on God performing some kind of a miracle for you, you're really not prepared to speak for him. If you can't use your eyes and your mind to study his testimony, come to know him and be convinced that he has proven his inspiration of those words through his prophets, then quite frankly, you don't deserve a sign. And if you've done it, you don't need a sign. This idea that Paul said, you know, signs and wonders. Paul, God does not try to impress. The moment somebody says I'm performing miracles, what Benny Hinn with the, you know, oh, a healing and a dinner and a healing. <laughs> It's all fake. The only sign you ought to be looking for is an accurate rending of God's words, them spoken clearly and boldly, sharing insights that can be derived from them on the word that he is going to decide, not some supernatural revelation. The difference is astounding, too, because... If I was coming to you and had written these 25, 27 books, depending on which part of the series you count, mm-hmm. saying that I'm sharing this with you based upon my own personal revelation from God, there would be no way to prove that it was accurate. But if every word I share, every word I translate, every word I seek to interpret and comprehend is based upon the proven testimony that Yahweh has inspired through his prophets, then you can validate it all. Then you know that I'm speaking for Yahweh, revealing what he conveyed through his prophets so that you can understand it. It gives you the ability, everyone the ability, to verify the veracity of every statement, of every conclusion of everything we have said from the beginning. Also, it will not be by hearsay, not by rumors or innuendo, not by word of mouth or that which has passed around person to person, or by listening to information which cannot be verified. My to question Shama listening, heard with his ears that he will make judgments or prove his arguments. No, not going to listen to a bunch of preaching. I'm most certainly not going to listen to some talking head on a video that claims to have some <laughs> profound new theory. Those of you who know me, if you send me a video, I am not going to watch it. <laughs> if you can send something to me that is, that is in writing and say, okay, this is what this person said. I've checked the evidence that uh, seems to uh, hold. What do you think? I'll respond. 
I think one of the greatest disservices that have ever been done is all of these videos that are posted all over social <coughs> media with talking heads uh, talking about their own personal opinions. And most of them are talking nonsense and inspiring conspirators. We ought not uh, convey hearsay. When rabbis try to justify their position, it's all hearsay. They are quoting other rabbis who weren't there in the first place. The only people that I quote are those that quote Yahweh. Yahweh spoke through his prophets. He spoke through them in first person, although there are occasions where every one of their prophets gets to express their own reaction, their own response to what they're seeing and hearing from God, infusing their humanity, their own conclusions and understanding into the testimony, making it even more vital and real, uh, giving it an element of authenticity that is is uh, so enjoyable, uh, sharing their personality along with those insights. Um, but all of them are witnessing precisely what God told them. When we read and recite the words that Yahweh revealed through his prophets, it is as if we were there. We're conveying God's testimony directly from him as he had it written down so long ago. And by the way, it says that he will yakak. He's going to offer advice, seeks to resolve disputes. He's going to make decisions regarding vindication. He's going to be judgmental. He's going to prove his arguments. He will exercise good judgment, washafat. He will decide, judging and adjudicating the matter, arguing to resolve disputes. That is one of the great problems of today. We're taught that being judgmental is wrong. It's against political correctness. Well, I'm telling you, if you're not judgmental, you can't be moral. You can't be intelligent. You can't be just. You can't be fair. You can't be compassionate. You can't know God. It is essential to exercise good judgments, to make decisions based upon evidence and reason. By seeking to be accurate, honest, and forthright, Sadak. This must be the driving force of any witness when speaking for Yahweh. Strive to be accurate. Try to be honest. Be forthright. If you know the answer, share the answer. If you don't know it, say, could be any one of these things. I'm going to share all the possibilities with you so that you can decide. With regard to opening the doorway for the discerning. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. The path to God begins with the doorway. That doorway is called Pesach. It's followed by the most important day of the year, matzah, where our souls are sponged of the fungus of religion, cleaned and perfected so we can be part of God's family. He will provide proof 
using sound arguments. Now, once again, this cannot be Jesus. We don't know diddly squat as to what he said. Jesus, but even if we go to Yosha, there is a reasonable likelihood that uh, what is recorded in, uh, in a book written by a preposterous individual, a, an imposter, uh, Matthew, who was not a disciple, Matthew was probably written by a Pauline advocate around uh, 80 or 90 uh, CE. Uh, and it, uh, you know, 80% of it plagiarizes, almost 90% of it plagiarizes uh, Luke and Marcus, who were both uh, Pauline ploys. Um, but the only thing that really make it interesting is that uh, he also yeah. found and plagiarized uh, the, uh, the book that uh, was, uh, was written by the uh, Evenites, uh, which were... Uh, followers of the way spoke Hebrew and wrote down two of Yosha's most important speeches that are only found in this one book because he incorporated them into the books. Really the only difference between that book and uh, Luke and Mark that he uh, plagiarized. Uh, and one of those two things is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and that's about all we have that appears the least bit credible from him. So to say that he will be known for uh, these arguments, that uh, he's uh, going to be uh, accurate and forthright in his testimony, to say that he is going to provide proof using sound arguments, that can't be Yosha. He didn't come to argue. He didn't come to prove. He didn't come to teach. He came to be the Passover lamb. And it's because he came to be the Passover lamb, and God had already said all he needed to say, we don't have much of anything that he actually said in the language that he spoke it that's been reliably retained. As a matter of fact, I would say we have nothing that he Mm -hmm. said in Hebrew reliably retained to this day. That is by design. You want to know what God has to say, read the Torah, prophets, and Psalms. God said all he needs to say, including all that needed to be said about the Passover lamb. We do not need the Passover lamb making a sound argument for being the Passover lamb. He will provide proof using sound arguments with everything out in the the open, doing so fairly, putting everything on the table, on the level, nothing hidden. That's why we do these translations with the Hebrew words put within the parenthetical so that you can look them up and validate them from yourself. That's why if, if in amplifying them, there's more to the word than we can convey within the sentence, that we'll write paragraphs about it. We'll tell you the word's history, its root, how it's used elsewhere. Everything on the table, open for your review. On behalf of the sincere 
who are seeking straightforward answers, Anna, those who are willing to respond but who need some assistance from a witness with answers to their questions, who is constantly thinking, making such declarations. It's from Anna to respond, to answer. Mm -hmm. Then he will strike, verbally attacking and disabling. This is an essential aspect of the role of the spiritually inspired Choder. He's going to attack. What is he going to attack? Religion, Mm -hmm. politics, those things that have corrupted Yahweh's name and his message. Those Mm -hmm. people who have led you astray about Yosha as the Passover lamb. Dode as the Messiah and son of God. That Torah means teaching and not law. That's Dode who's returning with Yahweh. That the Mikre enable the benefits of the covenant. That the covenant has five instructive conditions that we must accept if we want to receive its five benefits. He's going to attack anyone and everyone who seeks to corrupt that message. That Yahweh's name is pronounced Yahweh and it is essential. Then he will strike, verbally attacking and disabling the material realm with the rod and the staff of his mouth and thus his voice. And with the spirit of his lips and the resulting language, he will devastate the wicked and the wrong. Being right, correct, and honest will be the belt around his waist. And the trustworthy and reliable nature of his witness, Amuna, the integrity and dependability of the individual and the testimony by keeping it real and genuine. That's going to be the band girding him. Well, after a number of symbolic references to events of his time, our time, the prophecy continues by saying, Then it will come to pass in that day, the root which anchors and nourishes of Yishai to stand out and be noticed who showed the way to the benefits of the relationship, will stand up, be present and accounted for, approaching as a sign and banner for the family, Anesh. That is what we are sharing with you. That's what if you go to yadaya.com, if you're listening to this, go to yadaya.com, Y-A-D-A-Y-A-H, to knowya.com. You'll see a bookshelf. Click on any one of them. They're all free. They're all presented in their entirety. Currently about 15,000 pages of translations, commentary, and insights. Read them. Come to know the benefits of the relationship. They're all standing up there, present and accounted for in a sign and banner that God himself is lifting up under his name, Yahweh. And he is doing so for the family of God, Am El, for the people who are related 
to the Almighty. Through him, even Gentiles will continue to seek, and there have been many. And so, therefore, his restful residence will exist as a reward and a source of enrichment, energy, and enlightenment. I guess he's going to be put off to a uh, a nice resort someplace, probably given a gold watch, patted on the behind, said, hey, good job, kid. Now, now go take a nap. Uh, I've got it from here. Joe's going to take over. But it was good. But that works. That works for me. I've been looking forward to retirement. I love I love this job, but I have been looking forward to uh, to retirement. And it and it's, it sounds like retirement's going to be cool. Uh, so it will have to come to pass in that day. My upright one will once again associate his hand a second time to reacquire, bring back, and redeem the remnant of his family who remain out of Ashur, the northern Iran and Iraq area, from Mitzrayim, lower Egypt, out of Panthros, which would be upper Egypt, from Kush, the Arabian Peninsula, out of Elam, southwestern Iran, from Shinar, Iraq, and Babylon, out of Kamath, Syria, and from the coastlands, the inhabited shores of countries bordered by large bodies of water. Notably, Lebanon, the United States, mm-hmm. Canada, Central and South America, Western, Southern, and Northern Europe, Turkey, India, New Zealand, Australia, and Northern and Southern Africa of the sea of places where Gentiles live. By the way, the upright one, uh, that ain't the choder. The upright one here is uh, is Dode, that Yahweh was calling to call his people home. So he will lift up Nasa. He will bring forth and raise a signal and banner. Now, this is God is going to lift up and raise this signal and banner for Gentiles and for their nations. Then he will gather together and remove the strain and scattered of Israel. So even though the target audience has always been Israel, Yehuda, mm-hmm. yeah. the first to listen to this message were Goyim. And even now in the covenant, it's probably an equal number of Goyim and Yehuda. And so it is exactly the way that this has turned out. And that ultimately there will be a gathering together and removing of the strain and scattered of Yisrael and the dispersed of Yahuda, Jews. He mm-hmm. will gather up and obtain from the four extremities of the earth. Well, guess what? That most certainly didn't happen with Yosha. As a matter of fact, with Yosha, the Christian Jesus, when uh, he uh, performed as the Passover lamb, it wasn't very long to Rome destroyed the temple and then came back and dispersed uh, around the world. He had exactly the opposite effect. And so this is a different individual at a different time, and that time is now. So suffice it to say, this was not about Yosha, as so many have uh, been misled to believe. It is, however, 
about Yahweh's love for his people and his willingness to quote a sucker, to raise a Nesh sign to bring his people home. Now, in about 60 seconds, we'll stop broadcasting. We'll still yeah. be recording. We're going to move uh-huh. into the, uh, the second of the uh, misconstrued prophecies here. Um, this one uh, is in Yashaya 42. We're going to begin in Yashaya 41 and work our way to it. We won't get too far into it before we, uh, we call it an evening. Um, I'm pleased that I haven't hacked too much. I apologize for the few coughs that I've had this evening. But no, you're doing great. You're doing feel great. pretty good for a guy that was, uh, that was uh, tested positive for COVID uh, and suffered uh, this uh, prior week. While we're on the subject of correcting the record, there is another prophecy which is purported to speak of the Pesach Al, the Passover lamb. And while it begins in the Ayosha 42, uh, it's what God says before that pronouncement, which indicates that he is speaking of someone else. Chastising the useless nature of religion and political leaders, especially among Yehudim, Jews and Yashaya Isaiah is uh, asking the following question who has been informative conspicuously reporting from the source so that we may choose to know and without turning away so that we might say this is right indeed it has been disheartening because there was no one else who made an informative declaration. Been discouraging that there was no one who would even listen. It has been aggravating that there were none willing to hear your words. Kirk, I heard you uh, speak up there. Are we uh, uh, mm-hmm. having audio problems at this point, or you're uh, we're still fine? No, I think I'm, I think you can still hear me. All right. Okay. Yeah, I can. So, yeah. So, yeah. This yeah. is a very profound statement, Kirk. I think you uh, read yes, it in preparation it for the show. It's it is uh, it is something that is so unexpected in the middle of a prophecy, and here it is. It's God says so. Who has been informative, conspicuously huh. reporting? Who has been openly revealing from the source that we may choose to know? There is no one other than this program, other than this writing, this collection. Of, now this, Particularly this is, uh, when it's spoken by Yashia. Yeah. Because now it's Yashia's prophecies that resonate mm-hmm. throughout everything we do. You know, you're right in the middle of uh, the thing that's Nagad, Nagad. Uh-huh. And and that's a uh, <laughs> I was talking to Dee about that. Just I want to say I talk about it. I looked up every word that you've read so far this week, and there's no 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 argument. This is really good. I mean, your presentation is better than what you wrote even. So today I'm I'm just um, you know I don't want to <clears throat> just pat you on the back all the time, but I really want to pat you on the back all the time. This is really good. Well, um, you know, we're, so, we're not we're not patting uh, obviously. Yeah. The uh, the choder that sucker 
uh-huh. is is yeah. got seven spirits um uh, of <laughs> but you have you know, and able to him and so the only way to say you know it, this guy uh, is really crappy is to say boy Yahweh spirits not very good <laughs> so, <laughs> so even though I'm, the, I'm here to say I've got you know more flaws than uh, than uh, hairs <laughs> on my head the fact of the matter is you yeah. can only be so flawed yeah. with Yahweh working so diligently to make his nesh uh, achieve the stated purpose. So that has been our goal, though, is to be conspicuously informative. And, uh, you know, there's no one, no one. I mean, clearly uh, Moshe acknowledges the role we're playing. Dode acknowledges the role we're playing. Hosha acknowledges the role we're playing. Zacharias notices the role we're playing. But it's Yasha Yah. Well, he's a big fan of all. I mean, yes. He is actually a fan. And you can yeah, tell that Yasha Yah is a fan of this. That's why the entire 11th chapter is on the, on the Choder, is that uh, Yasha Yah is a fan because he is this enormously intellectual, brilliant and articulate prophet who God oh, has yeah. given some of the most profound insights that go through the entire chasm of time to his return. And Dode is looking at all of the magnificent things that Yahweh has revealed to him, and then he gets this crowning moment of his life, and Yahweh, who loves Yahshua and what they've achieved together, invites Yahshua into heaven, and here he is witnessing Yahweh in person in Shamaim, and Yahweh throws open the door. And there's no one there. Nobody, nobody. Not a single soul. And Yeshua is devastated. Oh, my God. I'm going to get fired for sure. No retirement party for me. There's nobody here. What am I doing? And God says, hey, man, it's all right. The things that I'm revealing through you are ultimately those things that are going to take root and grow and are going to be essential for the ultimate reconciliation between myself and Israel. It's just that they're going to be explained and understood at a different when, time. At the proper time. Yeah, the proper and, time. And to console you, Yashaya, I'm going to show you how this is going to happen. And so Yashaya is excited about this because this devotion he's had to revealing these profound prophecies that Yahweh has revealed through him are taking there forever. root yeah. and growing yes. in the minds of God's people. And that's why he is so excited about this. It is self-serving, but when you're working for Yah, self-serving is a good thing. Yeah. So he's saying, who, he's the words, yeah. you, my <laughs> people, need to ask who has been informative. Who has been conspicuously reporting from the source, from the very beginning, so that we may choose to know? Wa yada. Yeah, that's interesting. And without turning away, so we might say, this 
is right. Sadak, correct. Indeed, it has been disheartening that there was no one who made an informative declaration. Can, so can I think the word this then? is wonderful. Now we're getting the message directly from the source. We finally have the opportunity to know. We can validate that this is right. But in all of the time before that, there was no one. Not a single solitary soul who made an informed declaration. It was also discouraging that there was no one who would even listen. It has been aggravating that there were none willing to hear your words. Boy, profound. Mm -hmm. In your face. These rabbis who claim that they're speaking for God, that they've received this, these prophecies, they're outright lies. The Jews, the Heredi that believe that their Talmud is inspired by Hashem, it may be inspired by a name, but those names are the names of rabbis. They're not Yahweh. No. It is not Yahweh. Our Creator had consistently revealed Himself through His people, turning to the best of them and making them prophets. And yet, over the long chasm of time, not one Yehud Jew was willing to listen to God after Malachi. He was the last of them. Not a single Yisraelite could be found to report what Yahweh had said. You can't report what Yahweh has said unless you listen to him. True then, it's true today. Yisrael's religious and political leaders had become blind moots, as dysfunctional as they were annoying. If you wonder why Yahweh stooped to using a goy, asking a Gentile to study his testimony and share his message with his people, now you know. If you're a Jew, it should be disgusting. But at least Yahweh didn't give up on you. Yeah. He was willing to work through a goy to reach his people. That's how desperate he was to speak to them. Yahweh explained. Initially, for Zion, which means the signs that are posted along the way, there was a lack of awareness. So on behalf of Jerusalem, I wanted to offer a herald, an ordinary person to proclaim the news. Now, I can definitely tell you that of, uh, of all people, Yosha, Jesus, was not a Bashar. Matter of fact, Paul, uh, in true Gnostic fashion, uh, made a religion out of, uh, of uh, demeaning Bashar. 
which is also the Hebrew word for the flesh. Flesh bad, according to Pauline Christianity. No, flesh not bad, according to God. He's using flesh and blood, an ordinary human, to herald his message. Bashar's primary meaning is to herald, to convey the news, to report what you have witnessed. So truthfully, this is for Zion. And for Zion, there was a lack of awareness. So on behalf of Jerusalem, God speaking, I wanted to offer a Bashar. I chose to speak through an ordinary person, proclaim the news. A Bashar is one of the six or seven titles that Yahweh uses mm-hmm. to speak of this individual. Bashar, witness, Malak, uh, messenger, Nakar and Nakri, my observant foreigner or just observant foreigner, mm-hmm. Choder, sucker, mm-hmm. yes. Zoroa yeah. Yeah, is another gotcha. one who sows the seeds. And uh, the other is Yada, one who knows and understands. In this particular case, um, Yashaya has moved from Choder to Bashar. Bashar is another one of those uh, delightful terms because it is uh, both um, uh, remarkably uh, profound and uh, pejorative. Just like sucker, pejorative, but yet really profound because the sucker is what grows from the uh, the fallen uh, uh, stump of the tree from the rootstock. And uh, uh, basar means just ordinary fella. But it also is a herald, a messenger, someone conveying the good news. So it's it's these kinds of terms that that uh, root uh, Yahweh's testimony in such a way that if you're in that role, you get to see the humor of it, of it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a goy after all. You know, yeah. you get to see that you didn't win this uh, by being super. <laughs> you, by default. Default. <laughs> you got this job by default. No one else. There, there was no competition. Okay, you came in first, but there was no seconds. So, nobody else in line, you were the only one that showed up. Well, you thank get you the for participation trophy. <laughs> and it says, okay, title is Sucker. Ordinary Dude. So, okay. you got to have a sense of humor. Yeah. But isn't that the way of Yahweh? I'm going to work with a broken down 80-year-old shepherd with the staff to take on the most powerful nation on earth and we're going to prevail. I'm going to have another old guy build an ark. We're going to save the animals. I'm going to have the youngest uh, son who's out there tending sheep in Bethlehem and he's going to become the most extraordinary prophet in the history of humankind. 
the king of kings. Okay. That's how God works. A herald, an ordinary person to proclaim the news. Yashaya 41.27 It is always Yah's preferences to work through his people, but sometimes, through no fault of his own, his desires are thwarted. Sometimes it's tough being God. And this time, yeah. rather than a Nabi prophet, he would use a Bashar, Herald, ordinary fellow, tasked with an extraordinary mission as a witness. This is Yasha Isaiah 41:28. We'll we'll end here and pick it up next week. <clears throat> but when okay. I looked, but when but when I looked, this is Yahweh speaking. There was not a single individual. Wa an ish. There was nobody, not a soul. Not one among them who would provide thoughtful guidance, who was willing to convey rational advice, inspired thoughts, valuable directions, or considered counsel, nor even respond by speaking when I asked them. Wow. That suggests that, uh, <clears throat> that the uh, elder Bashar was not the first person that got asked. I miss that. I miss the depth of yeah. that. Last, Some, last night. I'm somebody out lie. there. <laughs> somebody out that. there. Well, kick yourself now, pal. Yeah. Said no. So, oh, so uh, there, once again, there was no line. Uh, there was no second place. Uh, <laughs> but he asked around. He did. He did ask around. <laughs> hey, you kid. <laughs> You're the one carrying the 91st Psalm around in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. How about, how about sure. you? Okay. Okay. Uh, who would have known? Uh, but it does say that uh, uh, for a very long period of time, yes. uh, God found no one willing to listen to him. They... Uh, Herodim, the first rabbinical uh, Jews, the uh, Sadducees, the Pharisees before them, the Maccabees, uh, the Baal and Asherah worshipping Jews, those who preferred the golden calf. Um. They led so many people astray. There was no one willing to listen. That, and the uh, the last, the last was Malachi. That was willing to listen directly to Yahweh and convey what he had to say that Yahweh could speak through. And he looked and he looked and there wasn't even an ordinary fellow. Um, he asked and he asked and no one would say yes. And so finally. He would convey his message through uh, yada yada, and the yada yada series was uh, was born. This program to draw your attention to it. Those books that provide well now fifteen thousand pages of translations, commentary, and insights. 
um, all of which provide the information you need to know to engage in a relationship with Yahweh, to come to know him, understand what he is offering, and comprehend what you need to do to capitalize on his offer. That is why we're here. And we will continue with uh, Yashaya um, as he is inspired by Yahweh to tell you that this is your opportunity. Listen, read, invest the time. God's not going to make it easy. There is no short version. Uh, but the truth is liberating. It's uplifting. Uh, it's inspiring. It is enlightening. It is empowering. It is enriching. Uh, God's message is for you. And uh, it is the greatest journey you will ever embark on. So, Kirk, uh, <clears throat> delighted that we were able sure. to, uh, yeah, to deliver Glad a program under these circumstances. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Seven Spirits, for working uh, overtime. Um, thank you for the work you did last week with uh, Dee. Uh, she is a yeah. very bright lady and a sweetheart. She uh, is she indeed, and, yeah. uh, and Leah and Jackie and Molly and others are working right now yeah. on a on a timeline uh, that uh, I think will uh, be a great addition to the site and uh, to our desire to teach those who would listen the uh, the word here, here. and message yeah. of, uh, of Yahweh. So we uh, look forward to being with you next week. Um, we'll uh, make it through this uh, chapter. I don't know when we'll turn to the next one. Uh, I have, um, I guess I'm delighted, Kirk, that, uh, that it is now 21 years into this relationship that I'm finally going back and, um, and retranslating Hosha. Because Hosha was the, uh, the first book that I translated. Really? Yeah, it's how the first, cha first chapter that I wrote was uh, on uh, translations. My first attempt at translations and the first chapters I wrote was in, uh, in Hosha. And, uh, and I have not retranslated, even with all the edits that I've done, I've never gone back and actually retranslated it. This first time now in, in uh, 20 years. Um, and uh, I would not have been prepared for what uh, we have encountered. Uh, it, there is as intense as Yashaya is and the, how rich his vocabulary is, as, as much uh, intellect and, and emotion is conveyed in, in Dode's Mismore, uh, this is like uh, uh, taking seven fire hoses uh, uh, all at once. Uh, virtually every statement is a showstopper. Um, and so we'll, like we'll get to, uh, to Hosha and what he had to, uh, to say and how profoundly important it is uh, to our lives today and to the calling of God's people home and uh, for Jews to understand just how much God despises Judaism and how essential it is for uh, you to break free of the religion that has defined uh, your people so that you can engage in a relationship with Yahweh. So we'll get to that over the next few weeks. And I thank you, uh, Kirk, and 
Pleasure. look forward to being with here uh, this time uh, next week. May God bless you all. Good night. Thank you. Good night.